Thanks very much for joining us for this week's Tech Law 10. I'm Jonathan Armstrong at Cordry over here in London. With me is Eric Finrod, who's in San Francisco. And on a purely professional basis, Eric, you've been thinking of nudity this week. <laughs> Very ancient nudity, so I'll add that. Thank you. Yes, it's a rainy, wet San Francisco. So, Jonathan, we tend to think of censorship happening in other countries, not so much uh, where we are here in the United States and probably not so much where you are uh, in England. However, uh, think again. Uh, here, like I'm sure there, we have you know, robust speech rights guaranteed under our Constitution. Uh, and we would think that if something here were to be censored, it would have to be very troublesome in nature, given our great respect for free speech. Well, as it turns out, Facebook, Jonathan, I'm not sure you knew this, recently censored a post that displayed a very small 30,000-year-old statuette carved in the image of a naked woman and referred to as the Venus of Willendorf. Um, now, not to get too upset, because a Facebook spokesperson has since apologized for Facebook not allowing the post in the first instance. But let's rewind a little bit and find out how this even happened. Why was there this, what we call a brouhaha? Um, Jonathan, this all started a few months ago in December when an Italian art activist named Laura Gianda posted a photo of the Venus on Facebook. And after this post went viral, Facebook then undertook to censor and take down the photo. Gianda, of course, was not amused, and she expressed anger about the war, quote, on human culture, and she proclaimed that modern intellectualism will not be tolerated, close quote. After that, it goes on, uh, the Natural History Museum in Vienna where the statue is located, chimed in, stating, quote, an archaeological object, especially such an iconic one, should not be banned from Facebook because of nudity, as no artwork should be, close quote. And indeed, as noted by the museum, there, quote, has never been a complaint by visitors to the museum concerning the nakedness of the figurine, close quote, up until now. Uh, as Facebook is apparently having at least an initial problem. Um, so what is this Venus? This Venus is a fertility symbol and was discovered in Willendorf, an Austrian village, in the early part of the 20th century. And Jonathan, this Venus is regarded by some as the major attraction of this museum and arguably the most known prehistoric rendering of a woman in the entire world. So this is not just some random nudity. This is something considered relatively important uh, in mm -hmm. the, uh, I guess you would say, in the art world. Uh, in the wake of the museum's strong rebuke of the censorship, Facebook did ultimately apologize. Facebook did explain, though, that its policies generally do not allow depictions of suggested nudity, much less actual nudity. But Facebook's statement goes on to say that, quote, and sorry for all the quotes, but I want to use the actual words, quote, we make an exception for statues, which is why the post should have been approved, close quote, in the first place. It, it turns out um, this is not the only issue we're dealing with related to Facebook. Maybe we have closure with respect to the Venus, but coming right up soon, a French court is going to decide whether pro Facebook properly closed down the account 
of a Facebook user who posted um, a painting by Gustave Courbet. Um, I won't be able to pronounce it properly, so I won't even try. But it's a painting from the 19th century that plainly and vividly shows a woman's genital area. But it is an artwork from a very famous artist. Uh, but this one, this account has been closed down, and it's not available for, for viewing, to my knowledge. And a court is going to decide whether Facebook uh, in France properly took that down. Okay, that's a little bit uh, much. Jonathan, I'm interested in your reactions. Well, I'll have a go. Is it called L'Origine du Monde, the uh, painting? Thank you. Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> I, was, I knew I was not going to pronounce that properly. I'm so glad you chimed in. Um, yeah, for uh, for the many art lovers that uh, tune into this podcast, I, th I thought I'd give it a go. Um, my my thoughts really are, uh, Eric, is this just symptomatic of a wider problem that we that we've got on the internet? So so traditionally, and we've talked about this in other podcasts before, uh, organisations like Facebook have relied on on uh, a what might be called a P to P defence or a mere conduit defense. And they've said, basically, let's, let's carry on the, uh, the sort of ancient theme. Where the Roman forum, we, we sort of maintain the structure of the forum, but we're not responsible for the business that gets transacted in the middle of the forum. And all we do is we organize for people to be there. We keep the structure there. And what they do between themselves is, is their business, not ours. And, and I guess in the early days of the internet, that was sort of established, and that was mirrored in, in various laws around the world, which said that you know, the, the, the forum provider is not responsible for the content of the discussions that are in the forum, just as you know, conventional um, telephone carriers weren't liable for the content of what was discussed in telephone calls between two subscribers. But in some respects, and, and I'd be interested in any views on our LinkedIn pages that other people have, in some respects I wonder if because we've uh, eroded that P, uh, that P to P defense over time, because people have said, yeah, it is true that the forum providers aren't liable except for, except for, except for. Um, I, I think we're going to have more of these issues that the providers of the forum will start to try and reg regulate what is in the forum. And in some respects, I think it started because we all agreed that there were some things that ought not to take place. You know, uh, child abuse, for example, was something that I think we all agreed that everybody should do what they can to stop. But then, of course, we had, I remember in Massachusetts, for example, I think it was, the, I think the AG in Massachusetts said, well, actually, people should stop selling pipe cleaners online. And everybody should join with the Massachusetts authorities, or whatever it was, to stop the sale of pipe cleaners because uh, they promote smoking. And that's something that we in, in, in Massachusetts don't like. Even those sites that told you how to make a giraffe for your four-year-old child out of pipe cleaners, obviously 
were an evil that should be removed from the internet. And I just wonder if the problem is, because we've gradually uh, eroded this P2P defense, and at the same time, uh, there is clearly marketing revenue in this, advertising revenue for the likes of Facebook, but they don't charge uh, you to enter the forum. They don't charge a, a fee towards policing. Are we going to get a situation, and GDPR might accelerate this, where the providers of forums become much more risk averse? So we're going to see this not only in take down requests for things like nudity, but also we've a big case going on in London at the moment over the right to be forgotten where wealthy individuals are suing Google saying you should remove all of these links to my uh, previous criminal past. And, and I think we're likely to see more and more providers just cave into these requests and say, because we don't really make much money out of this part of our operation, we'll just remove the links or we'll remove the content or we'll use an automated tool to work out how much flesh is in a photograph, and then we'll delete it. And if people complain, then we'll put it back up again, rather than um, uh, you know, rather than apply the rules differently. So I just wonder if, first of all, we're in an age of increasing censorship. Secondly, whether that's actually going to be accidental censorship in many respects, and thirdly because these technology businesses are using algorithms, whether even worse than that, it's a censorship by robot rather than a censorship by sentient being. And, uh, and where does that take us? These are really important and good thoughts, Jonathan. Thank you. And I'll, I'll piggyback on that just a little bit. And you know, as we've talked about in the past, in the 1990s here in the U.S., Congress enacted Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, and the gist was that Internet service providers, generally speaking, would not have liability for information and content posted by others on their sites. Uh, and the, the findings of Congress were, and the aspirations, was that we wanted to have a vibrant commercial Internet that wouldn't be bogged down where Internet service providers wouldn't have to decide what's appropriate or not in terms of posting, much like a telephone company doesn't regulate the content of phone communications. And imagine how difficult that really can be when on any given day there are probably hundreds of millions of posts on Facebook alone. But there's been some chipping away at it. Um, we've had cases in the United States that have chipped away at the broad immunity provided to ISPs under Section 230. Uh, in a lot of different contexts. And you know, since our 2016 presidential election, there have been concerns about bots coming in from foreign countries trying to sway um, our elections. But there have been concerns about communications uh, online that can support uh, potential violent activities and terrorism here in the U.S., um, et cetera. So you know, where does this all go? And now if we get to a point where um, social media sites are even considering you know, what's appropriate art and what is not and what might be deemed obscene, you know, where does this all stop? And um, I'm sure we'll be talking about this more. I know you want to explore, and I'm glad you mentioned briefly GDPR probably in our next podcast or two. Um, I'm hoping you'll delve into that more deeply. We considered that for today, but this is probably a good segue into that. 
So uh, this is Eric Sinrod at Dwayne Morris. You can find me at ejsinrod at dwaynemorris.com. Uh, you can find us, of course, on all the usual social media outlets. We appreciate uh, suggestions, of course, in terms of future topics, and we love your comments. I'll turn it back to Jonathan to finish things up. Thanks, Eric, and uh, a, a good topic, and I think one worthy of further discussion. I'm Jonathan Armstrong, jonathan.armstrong at cordrycompliance.com. We'll uh, post this uh, podcast as ever on our LinkedIn pages. Do feel free to join the debate there. All that remains is to thank you for listening, and we'll speak to you again in a week or so. Cheers. 